Let's jump in. Exodus chapter 4, starting at verse 29. Now, again, he's already accepted this call, met with God, and going back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of Israelites. So they're in Egypt now. And Aaron told them everything that the Lord said to Moses. And he also performed the signs for the people. And what were those signs? Well, the staff on the ground thing turned to a snake and the blood, the water turning to blood, like he did some signs for them. And it says, they believed, they saw and believed. And it says, when they heard that, the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery. Look what they did. They bowed down and they worshiped. They had been, I want you guys, 400 years now. 400 years they've been praying and hurting and crying out to God to seemingly like no avail. But here it is. This is the moment that they've been waiting for. Their ancestors were speaking about the promises of Abraham, that God has a land for us, that we have a deliverer. And now finally it's here. This is great news. How many have ever had something that you've waited a long time for and you can remember where the door was open to you. Do you remember that, anyone? Where you remember the door, maybe you got your degree, you finally got your degree, you finally landed a job, you finally, finally found the girl, you found the guy, and, and whatever it was, you're just like, what? here it is. This, is, this is the thing, and we've been praying for, we've been waiting for, and I want you to sense that with me, Re connect with the Israelites here, because this is that moment that they're like, God heard our cry. They heard our prayers. It's finally here. We're not going to be oppressed anymore and beaten anymore and killed anymore. Man, God is coming to rescue us. All right, very next verse, Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 now. The Israelites are like, woo, all the leaders are. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. And look what Pharaoh said. Who him? He's... He's like, wait a second, who's this guy? He's talking, who is the Lord that I should obey him? He said, I don't know this Lord. Now remember, Pharaoh, Pharaoh was a god to the people. And they had a lot of gods. They were a pagan culture, a lot of gods that they would worship. And they had no knowledge of this God of the Hebrews, this I am that just chose to be known for, like, this is not, who is this? So he's like, I don't know this Lord to let you guys go. Then he said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. This is they, Moses and Aaron. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now, this is the second attempt. So they try. They're like, hey, let my people go. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't know this guy. So here's their second attempt. Well, let us take a three-day journey. So now they're kind of, now maybe you can get away with this. How about a three-day journey, guys? That's all we need, Pharaoh. All we need is a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God. And look what they say. Or he might, he might strike us. Now they're trying to play on his emotions. Like, he's going to hurt. This is our God. He's going to hurt us and strike us with plagues, with, with the sword. But the king of Egypt responds to their second plea. Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to work. So Pharaoh said, Pharaoh said, continue. Look, the people of the land are now numerous and you're stopping them from working. So that same day that they came to Say, let my people go. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. So don't help them at all anymore. Don't, don't help them go gather that, reap that, bundle that, bring that back. That was like they, all done for them. He says, don't even help them anymore. Let them gather their own straw. But check this out. He said, 
but require them to make the same number of bricks as the day before. So don't reduce the quota because these guys are lazy. They're trying to get out of work. That's why they're crying out. Let us go sacrifice to our God. So check this out. It started really well. Like, this is it. Miracle signs and wonders to prove it. God is here. And then it went from bad to worse. Okay, so this message today is like for anybody who had something in their life that started out with a lot of hope, a lot of promise, but things just didn't happen the way you planned. So maybe you got married and you didn't expect it to be perfect or anything, but you didn't expect it to be like this. Things just didn't go as you planned. Maybe you started a new job or a relationship, had some kids, Maybe you started serving or leading and start out like really good. All kind of promise. But things just didn't go as you planned for them to go. Some of you are like Moses, like, like you stepped out in faith. On, and, and albeit with some level of inadequacy or, or insufficiency, but you heard from God and you stepped out in faith. But things didn't go as planned. Moses is, is an amazing exam, example of what to do when things don't go as planned. But I want to look at all the, like the other three characters, the main characters in this story in addition to, to Moses. Like, what do we do? How do we respond, you guys, when things don't go as you plan? You get the, okay? So what, how do we respond? And, and there's four different, like four main characters, like Moses being, being one of them. But I, I, I want to show you, and I put them as like questions because I probably responded, not probably, I have for sure. I've responded every one of these ways when things didn't go how I planned. And I believe you're here on purpose today and you got some things that are in your life and around your life. Some things happened throughout your life that didn't go as planned. And I promise you, you, pro you probably reacted in one of these four ways. Let me show it to you. When things don't go as planned, here's the first one. This is the first care. Like Pharaoh, we can respond like Pharaoh. Write it down like this. Do you harden your heart when things don't go as planned? And maybe that's happened enough times with each time though, your heart becoming a little bit harder and a little bit more hard, meaning like you don't trust people as easy anymore. Some of you don't even trust them at all. Some of you stop trusting men. You stop trusting women. You, you just stop trusting, maybe you stop, you stop trusting the system. You stop trusting, you, you just lost hope. It's hard for you to hope. You don't trust, some of you don't trust churches anymore. You don't trust leaders anymore. You don't trust pastors anymore because you've just been hurt enough. You've been let down enough. Things didn't happen the way they were supposed to happen enough that your heart has become calloused. And hard. Hebrews, not in your notes, but Hebrews chapter 3, and this is what I'm praying for you today. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, this is why the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear God's voice, and I'm going to say that to you today, you're going to hear God's voice today. And I pray when you hear God's voice, you don't harden your hearts like Israel did, that you would be open. You know what it, you know what it sounds like when you have a hard heart? You say something like this. You say this. I just don't care anymore. I don't even, I don't even care anymore. I don't even, I don't even care. I don't even care anymore. And you're just, you're just showing that obviously you, you, you care. I just don't care. I used to care. It used to mean a whole lot to me, but I'm done. I'm just done and I don't care anymore. And when you say that, like the fact is that you would say that reveals that you obviously care. You care. So we still have this on the inside of our hearts. And I want to talk about this because this is one of the biggest lies that you can say to yourself 
I don't care anymore. And the reason why it's a lie is because that remedy doesn't work. All you're doing is allowing your heart to be hard. That's it. We're developing a hard heart and and thin skin. You know the people that say, I just don't care anymore are the most offended people on planet Earth. I don't even care anymore. I just don't even care anymore. Whatever. Like, Like obviously you're so offended and easily you got this thin skin and a hard heart. And we have to learn how when things don't happen the way we plan, how to, how to have thick skin and a tender heart. How do we stay tender in our heart when this world around us is falling, is shaking, is not going the way that we thought it would go? I believe that this Pharaoh, he was a, a godless Pharaoh for sure, but he still wanted the best for his country. He still wanted, he was trying to make a good decision for Egypt. He has all this big old Israelite nation growing in their midst. And he's like, Man, these guys can overtake us. And he makes the decision to enslave them based on his own fears, really. Write it down like this. What you think is intuition could be your insecurity. Okay, so, so you think like Christians, Christians are good. Christians are the hard heart. They think they're being discerning. All right? They, they think they're being led by the spirit, but really you're just hard towards that person. You're hard towards that category. You're hard towards that issue. You're hard, you just got a hard heart. And you're bl- like, you, like it's intuition. No, it's not. It's not the spirit. It's not intuition. The, the Pharaoh made this decision not based upon his intuition. He made it based on his lack of security. He didn't feel secure. Okay? So when you make decisions based upon a hard heart, you know what that reveals? You're not secure. You're, you're insecure. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 Uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter four, verse uh, 21 reveals actually why even the Pharaoh had a hard heart. So back up a couple chapters here. It says, the Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I've given you the power to do. But here's what God says, but I will harden his heart so that I will not, he will not let the people go. And some people read that verse and they're like, that's messed up, God. Why would you harden a Pharaoh's heart? Okay, so there's actually, if you read Ephesians 4, 5, 6, 7, there's a few times that it actually says that Pharaoh hardens his own heart, and there are times that it says God hardens his heart. So the, the, the reality is Pharaoh was godless, was sinful, was, was already had a hard heart, but God was also cooperating in that and in, in giving him an even harder heart because here's what God wanted. God wanted a showdown of the gods to happen that no one had known who the God, the real God of the universe was. And he wanted at the grand stage of the supreme power of that day, Egypt, to be put on display that the God of the universe is I am. He is Jehovah. Amen, somebody? This is what he, so that was his, so I think that the point is this. You be careful on developing a hard heart because God will make you an example. God will make an example out of you for someone with, a, with his heart. Are you hearing me? So you be careful. If you, you, this is, when, when things don't go the way that you thought it would go and it doesn't happen the way you thought and you develop a hard heart, you be careful, man. You, you start treating people different, not trusting people. God will make an example of you, man. He'll pull the rug out from under you and he'll do it for the person who has his heart. So things, so things go from bad to worse. Their labor, the Israelites' labor is harder than, than, than ever. They were once excited. They were like pumped up about their deliverance. Yes, Lord, finally, finally an answer to prayer. And then it gets worse for them. Their quote has not changed. They got to do even more, even more work. And so Moses goes back in Exodus chapter 6, verse 9. He goes back to talk to the Israelite leaders again. And Moses reported this to the Israelites. Look at what it says. But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement 
and harsh labor. Here's what happens when things don't go the way you thought they would go, the way that you planned it. Sometimes if you don't guard your heart, you can't even hear from God anymore. Like they couldn't even listen to it. They were so discouraged that they couldn't hear what God was saying. At once they did, but they let something get in their heart. So write it down like this. When things don't go as planned, number two, are you like the Israelites? Do you let discouragement derail you? Do you let discouragement? Now, discouragement's a temptation that is common to every man. We all have to deal with it when things don't go as we plan. But in dealing with it, sometimes we need tenderness and other times we need toughness. Either way, though, discouragement should never be tolerated. Listen to me, listen. Discouragement should never be tolerated or wallowed in. It must be fought against. If you linger in discouragement, I'm telling you, it can cost you greatly. It can, it can zap like, like your energy and your vision. If you sit in that defeat and hopelessness, it can, can how many of you ever like been discouraged and you just felt all your energy depleted? You were just tired all the time. Do you know what I'm talking about? You just sit in that place of discouragement. Not only that, it's such a waste of time. Discouragement will rob you. Some of you have been discouraged for so long you've been sitting in the same place wallowing in that discouragement instead of like when we're discouraged here's the deal we want comfort which isn't wrong to want comfort and to feel a desire to comfort but the comfort we often turn to are ways that avoid our fears rather than rather than gathering and mustering the courage to face and overcome them Joshua chapter, not in your notes, Joshua chapter one, verse nine. You remember what God told Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Do not fear and do not be discouraged. It's a command of God not to have fear. Do you know that? It's a command of God. Do not fear. But you know what also is a command of God? To have courage. That's a big difference to not have fear and to have courage. Courage. Both are very important for me not to be influenced and moved and motivated by fear, but to adopt and to grab hold of and to muster the courage for for me to do what God has called me to do. Both those things are commands. God commands it. Now, fear isn't the same thing as not having fear isn't the same thing as having courage. Jesus even commands this in the New Testament. He didn't want his disciples to be discouraged and they're going to they're going to come up against the most discouraging experience that they've ever faced with the brutal death of of their savior their master and so he's preparing them in John chapter 14 verse 1 and this is what Jesus says do not let your hearts be what don't let your hearts be troubled these aren't just mere like words of comfort these are commands that Jesus is giving them he knew they would be tempted to fear that it was going to look really bad This is going to look really bad. It's going to look like this is mission critical, mission failure. But when that happens, do not let your hearts be troubled. What do we do then? Believe. That's what you do. You believe. You believe in God. He said, believe also in me. So let me ask you, like, what's what's tempting you with discouragement today? I guarantee you what's tempting you with discouragement today is something happened that you didn't think would happen. Like something that you didn't plan, it's not going the way you plan. That's why you're discouraged. That's the exact way. Every time we get discouraged, something did not go the way we planned it to go. But I'm telling you, listen, it's, when that happens, it's time to fight. 
not shrink, not shirk, not, not pout. Think of discouragement as your faith being choked out. Okay? When you're choking on something, it's not time to plop down in front of the TV with your comfort food. Come on, amen, somebody? Or am I talking to you today? You're medicating your melancholy. You need to dislodge the obstruction so you can breathe again. You're, you're lacking breath. You got something dislodged in there, and you need to fight for your life when you're feeling discouragement. Some of you need to go find somebody else to give you the Heimlich. You need to go get some, get some faith-filled courage inside of your life. Don't let discouragement choke you. You know, it's in the way you dislodge encouragement from choking you, the way you dislodge it is, is by believing the promises of God, by believing the word of God, by trusting his word. God gave us the word in Romans chapter 15. It says, through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That's why he's given us the word. It says amazing things like this in Romans chapter eight. Look what it says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Hey, when things don't go like I plan, is that gonna happen? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm gonna go grab me some courage when, God is, when the enemy's trying to zap me. I'm not gonna stay in that place. You know what he's saying is this, look, don't let your hearts be ruled. Don't let your hearts be ruled. And if I say it three times, maybe, okay. Don't let your hearts be ruled by what you see. Let it be ruled by what Jesus promises you. Come on, amen, somebody. Don't let it be ruled by fear. What did Jesus promise? John chapter 16, verse 33. Look what it says. I have told, I have told, and I have told. I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? You may have peace. In this world, you will, it's going to happen. Hey, things are not going to go the way you plan it to go. It's going to be troublesome. It's going to be difficult. You're going to get challenged with discouragement and fear. But he says, look, in this world, that's going to happen. But take, some of you say take. You better go after it and take some courage back. You better go after it and take some faith back. You better go after it and take your heart back. Don't let, your, don't let the enemy rob you of, of your courage. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Some of you are letting, you, things aren't happening the way it should have happened, the way you wanted it to happen, the way you thought it would happen, and it's developing a hard heart. Some of you got a hard heart because of it. Some of you, you're, you're discouraged. You're sitting in that, man. You're wasting time and energy and wallowing in, in, that, in that place. Look at Exodus chapter Seven. Let's continue this story. Exodus chapter seven, verse eight. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh. And it's going to do that one thing I taught you. I taught you that it's going to become a snake. Okay. So the next verse, it says, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Wow, it's a miracle. But look what Pharaoh did. Pharaoh was not excited like the Israelites uh, were. He, he went and tried to copy that with his own culture. Are you catching me, okay, guys? He, he, he saw what the, what the God of the Hebrews did, and he went to his customs and his culture and his magicians and his sorcerers and his wise men. And look at this. They also did the, the same things. See, the devil will tempt you with what he's, what he's calling the same thing. It's the same thing. You can get it over here. 
oh, this is really, no, no, no. I got the same thing over here. And you don't need to do it that way. You don't need to do that. I got the same thing for you. This is, this is the devil's lie. The magicians did it as the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a stake. But check this out. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. So, so this is what the devil don't tell you. He's, he only has an inferior product. Okay? So, so this is how we respond. When things don't happen, like the way we planned it to happen, maybe like these magicians, look at this. Maybe you're settling for the world's results. Maybe you're going, you're going, you, maybe that's looking like another book to read, another job, another relationship. You just, some of you, it's a pattern. It has become a pattern. Things have not happened the way that you thought they would happen. And you just go to another thing, another thing, another thing, another thing. And you're just trying to find, when things don't happen the way they plan, and you continue to settle it with the world's results. You know what the definition of insanity is, right? It's when you do things over and over and over and over, expecting different results. Some of you are continuing, it's just not, it's not working, and you keep trying the world's ways, and trying the world's ways, you get the same results. I think it's very interesting that this is like, that this, these secret arts, these, were, they were able to do the same miracle. They were able to create a snake. Although it was inferior, they were able to do it. You know, the more valuable something is, the more likely it is to be counterfeited. Let me say that again. The more valuable something is, the more likely it is to be counterfeited. That's why they make counter. They make fake Rolexes, right? You know, they make fake uh, Gucci bags. Some of you are wearing fake clothes in here today, okay? You know what I mean? Because it's just... <laughs> got fake Jordans on, acting like you got to. <laughs> Those aren't Yeezys. Get out of here. You didn't pay $800 for that. Yeah. Counterfeit. So, so, so here's the deal. Here's what you need to know. Check this out. God creates Satan counterfeits. See, once you know this, once you know this simple truth, it, it helps unlock the entire Bible for you. That God is the only one that has creation powers, like true creation powers, making something from nothing. God alone can do that, manifesting something from nothing. Satan cannot do that. The only thing he can do is counterfeit God's creation. I want you, once you see this, I'm telling you, the whole Bible starts to unlock because Satan, listen, Satan is the counterfeit God. Demons are the counterfeit angels. The world is the counterfeit kingdom. Lies are the counterfeit truth. Okay, demon possession is the counterfeit to being spirit-filled. See, the power, the power in a counterfeit is that it deceives someone in wrongly believing that what they have is real, that it's true that it's actually valuable when in reality it is fake, phony, and worthless. It doesn't last. And it's, and it's for this reason that every follower of Jesus needs to be like able to learn to distinguish what is created by God versus what is counterfeit from Satan. See, when things don't go as planned, what do you do? What do you do? I dare you. Some of you, you're, it's, it's a pattern. It's a pattern. You just keep going to another thing. You're trying the world's results, trying the world's results. I dare some of you today to give God a shot. Give, give God, a, like you've tried it, and it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And sure, it looks, everything starts off really well and a lot of promise, a lot of hope. You're like, yes, but eventually you'll become hopeless, have a hard heart, discouraged. Some of you are there right now because you've been trying the world's ways. Some of you are close to there, and I double dog dare you. Come on, Sandlot. I double dog dare you to try God's way.
and just see if he doesn't give you a superior product. It doesn't, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect by, by far, but I am saying it's better. It's better. There's more, there's real joy. There's real peace. There's, there's real love. There's real identity. It's, uh, it is better. God's way is better. Now, now for Moses and the Israelites, though, things didn't, they didn't go as planned. It went from bad to worse. And in the middle of that, that crisis that they were in, that challenge, God reminds Moses of this very important central fact. When things go from bad to worse, when they don't go as planned, in Exodus chapter 6, I just, I just wrote all the verses five times. He says, I am the Lord, Moses. I know things don't look good. I am the Lord. I know it hurts right now. I am the Lord. I know it's taking a lot longer than you thought it would be. I am the Lord. I know your marriage isn't where you want it to be. It's not what you thought it would be. I am the Lord, he says. And then he tells him this, and then he tells him this, uh, and I just put the verses. Okay, it's, let me summarize it. He says, see what I will do. Hey, I called you to deliver my people, but look, I am the Lord and I will bring, I will deliver, I will redeem, I will take, I will be, I will bring, I will give. God reminds Moses of the central truth. When things don't go as you plan, you are not the Lord. So here's, here's, when things don't go as you plan, number four, this is Moses' example, do you trust God's plan no matter what? See, some of us, some of us, I think, let me say it this way, I don't say yes to my understanding of God's plan, I say yes to God. Come on, are you hearing me, you guys? See, some of you said yes to God's plan or what you thought God's plan was. That was the yes you gave him to, the, to what you thought his plan was. But you didn't say, you said yes to the plan you thought, but not yes to God. See, last week, it's a good word, Pastor John. Didn't he give a good word? He, he said, uh, say yes to God. That was the challenge. It was, just, it was just say yes to God. But today, I wanna talk to you about how important your, your second yes is. The second yes is not just to the blessing. The second yes is believing that God is working when I can't perceive it in the middle of the pain. I can't, I, it's hard to discern his presence. Who is this for today? I wonder who is on their second yes today. Here's the first yes. The first yes is yes unless. Yeah, yes God, unless it's not as good as I thought it was. Some of you, some of you, you come to, you, you give, yes, I'll go to church as long as I ain't got nothing else to do. As long as my game ain't on. Yes, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll serve, I'll, I'll serve you, God, as long as it doesn't get too uncomfortable. Yes, I'll give, I'll give, as long as I have enough for myself. See, your first, your first yes is yes unless, but the second yes is yes no matter what. I wonder who's on their second yes today. The first yes is the stuff we want God to change about us. The second yes is the stuff God wants to do through us. You know, we all have, Jesus had a second yes. Do you remember that moment in the garden of Gethsemane? That, that was Jesus' second yes moment where he went, Father, I don't want to do it. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to do this cross thing. I don't want to experience separation. So if there's any other way, I don't want to say yes. But in that moment, in that crux, in that crucible of the second yes, Jesus said, nevertheless. 
Oh, come on, somebody. I'm just, amen, Pastor Jason. Somebody get up in this. See, a real yes will reach past your flesh. It'll, it'll reach past your feelings, past your experience, past your logic, past what is popular, past your opinions. You say, God, this is not a yes from my flesh. This is a yes from my spirit. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours, God. The answer is still yes, devil. You come at, come at me, take me, take whatever you want from me. I'm still saying yes. T -t Tell me I have no right. It's still yes. And more he persecutes, the more I'm going to praise him. It's still yes. It was yes. It is yes. It's going to be yes. I give God my yes, no matter what. Yes and amen to the glory of God. You know, amen is more than a word you say when the preacher's, you know, doing a good job. Amen is a covenant word. Check this out. Listen, listen. Your first yes is a yes born out of convenience, but your second yes is a yes of covenant. Your first yes is, con I, wonder, I wonder whose marriage is on their second yes today. I wonder whose marriage, like you started with yes unless. Yeah, so you start your marriage, yes unless you, you cheat on me, unless you stop providing. Yes, unless this doesn't really happen the way I, that we agreed it would happen. It was a yes unless, but your second yes is yes no matter what, baby. Your first yes is a yes born out of your convenience. Your second yes is born out of the covenant. I wonder who's on a, their second yes in their ministry, in their calling, in their assignment, in their purpose, where you gave a yes unless, and it got hard, and it got uncomfortable, and it got difficult for you, and you bowed out for a little bit, but your second yes you're having today is not a yes of convenience, it's a yes of covenant. Come on, somebody give God some praise right there. That's a good time to give God some praise. I want to show you three things about trusting God when... It doesn't go as planned. Write these down. Here's the first thing you need to know when it doesn't go as planned, okay? You'll never know what God, that God is able until he allows you a situation where you are not. Come on now. You'll never know that God is able until he allows a situation where you are not. So listen, he orchestrated this opportunity that you're in. God orchestrated it. And I don't know what in your life is you know, challenge today, if I could guess, some of us, it might be physical. Some of us, it might be a relational need, a financial need uh, where, you know, you just don't know what to do and where you're going, but you have something in your life right now that you're, the need outweighs the supply you have. Like, I need this, but I don't have this, okay? Wave at me if that's you. Anyone that has a greater need than you have supply, man, I'm praying for a lot of people that don't have room for God to move in their life right now who's not waving at me. Because, listen, if you don't have a need in your life that you can't bring, the reason why you're not seeing God do anything in your life is because you're handling everything for your life. Okay? So you better, you better go back to the prayer closet and get, get a vision from God that is bigger than your life than you can handle. Come back here and wave at your pastor. Get up here, wave at me. You got a need in your life that's bigger. That's bigger. You got room for God to do something in your life now because I got a need that's bigger. God will always position you in places, in circumstances, and in situations that you can't handle, that you don't have the supply. And he does that on purpose because he wants to show you that he is more than enough. You remember Moses' argument when he was at that bush. He's like, who am I? I'm not enough. I don't have enough. Who, who, who am I? And what if they don't accept it? And, and I've never done anything like this. And then he, he asks 
And who are you, God? Which is the most important question. Who are you, God? We base it off who God is, not who we are and what we can do. See, God reminds him, see what I will do. I will bring, I will deliver, I will redeem, I will give. I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord. God was saying to Moses and to you today, write this down. Obedience is your responsibility and the outcome is God's. See, when it's not going the way you planned, you are not God. It's not your response. The outcome is not your responsibility. Obedience is your responsibility. As we learn to trust God with our future, trust him with the provision, trust him with the answers, trust him as provider, trust his sovereign plan. It's that foundation of trust that enables us to walk by faith. It's not when circumstances are good enough that enables me to walk by faith. It's my trust in a no matter what God that allows me to walk by faith. We can trust he's always been faithful. Now I get it though. Some of you are going through some things like some things aren't going the way you planned and it's not good. Like things are not good. Like the pain you're feeling right now is not good. The hurt that's happening in your life is not good. Maybe your financial situation isn't good or your marriage right now is just not good. What's going on? Maybe you've made some mistakes like we all have and we're suffering some consequences that are not. It's not good right now. Can you write this down? Something you need to know when things aren't going the way you plan. If it's not good, God's not done. It's not done. Here's the promise of Romans chapter 8. Y'all, it's not in your notes, but you all know this. A lot of you know this, right? All things work together for what? For the good. All things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So when things are not going the way you planned it, do you trust God no matter what? Here's, here's, this is life. This is the situation. Every one of us, every one of us, things are going to happen the way we didn't plan it. All throughout life is going to happen. And some of you have allowed that situation and those situations to happen too much because the way that, it's not that they happen, it's the way you managed it. That your heart got hard. You, you want to, you project like you're, you're tough and stuff, but you're so offended. You don't know how to forgive people. You're so, you know, and maybe some of you are really good in front of people, but when you're in your house, you, you, direct, you just, you talk, can I say, you talk crap about everybody everybody okay and you're really good about like like knowing who you can do that with and who you can't do that do that with but but you you let your heart get hard because it didn't go the way you planned it you fell for the trap some of you maybe it's it's not the hard heart thing maybe it's the discouragement thing maybe all your energy you're just you're just so tired because you're so discouraged you don't have vision for your life anymore you're, you're, you lack hope. You're discouraged like the Israelites. Or maybe you're settling for the world's results. Maybe it's a pattern for some of you, like it's just not, not it doesn't happen, it doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, it doesn't go, and you just keep going to something else and, and you've never tried God or never even, never really went all in with God and you're just, It'll be another job. Maybe it'll be this if I buy this. Maybe if I, if I get this relationship or keep this one or whatever it is, maybe it is even substances for some of you, your go-to. But whatever, the, you're, getting, you're getting a counterfeit. 
It's not the real thing. It's an inferior promise that holds an inferior product. And today, um, some of you are at a place of your second yes. 